From RealGhostStoriesOnline.com, welcome to another episode of Real Ghost Stories Online. Tony and Jenny Bruski joining you once again for another episode of our little program. Thank you so much for joining us, wherever it may be. iTunes, Stitcher, or YouTube, thank you so much. And if you got a few seconds, we greatly appreciate you giving us a little love there. A quick little review, some stars that greatly helps our show. The four seconds it takes for you to do that does an amazing bit of good for our show as far as getting more listeners and more great ghost stories to share with you every single week. So please do uh, do some of that, especially there on iTunes. Uh, that helps us out uh, tremendously. Inviting you to share your real ghost stories with us, 855-853-4802, 855-853-4802, our toll-free phone number. You can call in 24 hours a day, seven days a week, and share your real ghost story with us. Or you can just write into us as well on our website, realghoststoriesonline.com is the place to do just that. How are you doing this fine day, Jenny Bruski? I'm doing just fine, and you? I'm doing peachy keen. Good. And uh, I wanted to uh, to share this little tidbit that just came in. Actually, like in the last, uh, not too long ago, uh, I think in like the last hour or so, somebody wrote in a comment uh, on YouTube about the uh, the haunted desk in our bedroom. Okay, let's right. hear it. Are you ready for this? Yes. Okay. It says, I think the desk might be you, Jenny. Okay. And let me preface this uh, so everybody else that's listening knows what's going on. We have a desk in our bedroom that's old. Yes. And the chair... You said moves by... I've only noticed this the one time. Right. It did it the one time here. And mm -hmm. then um, when I was a kid, I used to think that my mom was positioning the chair maybe to look, you know, better a certain way, pulled out from the desk a little bit. Mm Because she would, you know, go in my room and and do stuff when I was at school. Um, You know, she was a stay-at-home mom, so... I never thought much of it. I always thought she was doing that. And then I asked her about that the other day when the chair moved on its own. And she said she never did that, that she had other things to do than to go move a chair around my room. And I, I believe that. So. Now, the thing is with a chair, we're not, we don't actually witness it moving. It's we're in the other room, we come back in and it's pulled out. Yeah. And this only happened once in this house. Uh, but it's bizarre because neither of us have any reason to move it out. And it happened at a time when the kids were still in bed. So there was no explanation for the chair moving. So anyway, uh, Marcy writes, I think the desk might be you, Jenny. I am a sensitive and a conduit for years. And I thought certain furniture and homes were haunted because light switches flickering on and off objects, knocking off drawers. But the house never had an energy like a haunted house. These things mostly happened in my teenage years, mainly I was mad or sad, but these things still do happen, I was told by a shaman, and it is because I am, or could have been, a very strong medium and had pushed all my energy down into the back of my mind in order to protect myself from the things I saw or heard. But when I was emotional, I lost control. It was because of a story, I'll tell you as soon as I get the courage to call, that I tried to push my abilities away, and I was five, and I had a friend similar to yours, but... Uh, hat is all I can say for now. So I think she's referring to your imaginary or what you okay. thought was an imaginary friend. Okay. Um, also, that person was right. You must learn to trust your instincts and try not to harbor all your energy inside or you will get slight poltergeist activity. Also, I uh, know without a doubt your friend was that uh, explosion because those are your instincts. Uh, uh, uh Good luck for someone who is also trying to figure herself out. I appreciate that. Um, I have to say I've noticed 
since I've started being a part of this show and, and finding out about other people that are sensitive or, or are full on mediums, and I'm, I'm not educated enough to even know the difference yet. Mm-hmm. I, I've noticed just trying to trust my instincts a little bit more. And, you know, it's amazing how often that I find that it is what I thought Mm-hmm. whether or not I have any other evidence at all other than just my intuition. And I haven't noticed any other activity, but the chair happened after I started being part of this. And so I'm wondering if it isn't all tied together. I never really thought of it as being something that maybe it's, uh, you know, you, <laughs> you know, and, and not like some sort of external thing. But, I mean, it does make sense. And there's a lot of cases where, uh, we've talked about in the show, you know, I don't want to say the astral projection because that's really something completely different, but it's kind of within those realms where the your own energy is, is being used elsewhere mm-hmm. without your controlling it. Right. I guess that does, it's, a, it's an interesting theory that I think does make some sense. I don't know if that makes me feel better or not that that my energy or my inability to channel it properly can cause poltergeist type activity i don't know but that makes me feel a little bit better to know that maybe it's not a haunted piece of furniture well that's what they say i mean we talked about this on the show the other day where um there's a lot of poltergeist activity in homes of teenage uh teenagers in general Mm -hmm. especially teenage girls um where it's that energy that is being channeled everywhere um so you're certainly not a teenage girl but um you know I, I guess it's the same sort of theory. It doesn't necessarily have to be in your teens where that sort of, you know, thing happens. Right. And I have to say, that desk and I, in my teenage years, we were almost inseparable. I was a very, very perfectionistic type student. Mm-hmm. I spent a lot of hours sitting in that desk in my room doing my homework. Um, you know, and so I can see that I could see a tie between the desk, specifically the chair, because I spent so much time there. Can you make a, uh, I guess, uh, an emotional connection with furniture and and have that pop up later in life? I wonder. I don't know. That's an, that's interesting because if that was that was part of your life when you were a teenager, mm-hmm. um, you know, and you were ha- seeing a lot of that more so around that time, um, if you were stressed out or things of that nature, um. You know, if there's anything going on, you know, with you now and, and, and can you recall anything that was going on when we had that that desk, the chair move? Was there anything going on? I'm not asking you to, to list the items, but I'm just saying, can you recall anything at that specific time that was stressful that or, you know, that would have you know, pulled that energy out? I can't specifically. Um you know, I, I I find with my personality, I tend to get stressed sometimes just sure. with with just regular stuff. Sure. So I can't think of like any one no. particular event or anything going on. It's an interesting theory. It I, very much I, is. I will say that. It's something I did not even think about. And again, it's one of those where we, we, we talk about it and then at the end of the day, it makes me have more questions than answers to everything we talk about on this show. I, I appreciate any insight from sensitives or mediums because I don't I don't know a lot yet and I'm not real sure where to find 
information. Um, what I've been researching, I'm finding out a lot of the characteristics of uh, highly sensitive people I have and just never really thought about it. But um, I'm, I'm kind of starting to think maybe there's more to it. And with the realization on the show here in front of everybody that maybe my imaginary playmate wasn't imaginary, that was a big one, too. Mm-hmm. So... It's very, uh, very interesting. 855-853-4802, 855-853-4802 to share your real ghost story with us. Let's go to a phone call at 855-853-4802. Hi, you are on the air at Real Ghost Stories Online. Hey, Tony. Um, just uh, calling you to give you my personal ghost story. Uh, it happened when I was like 15 years old. Uh, my parents would take us to go for summer vacations from school to uh, their hometown in Mexico. And uh, back then, the summer vacations were pretty long. There, I remember them being like three months or something like that. And um, well, the point is, we, we would, my dad had a little house down there and he grew up on this big uh, farm, I guess you could say, like village farm. Uh, they call them haciendas in Mexico. And it was typical creepy place, you know, like, <laughs> Uh, it was built in like the 1930s, I believe my dad told me, a long time ago. And it was basically like 100 acres, one main road that would, like it was like a, maybe like like a quarter mile stretch. And you know, typical, you know, large, big trees, um, a lot of foliage everywhere, uh, cobblestone um, uh, roads. And so uh, the house we lived at was at the very back. And to get to my grandpa's house, which was on the other end of, the, of this, like, hacienda place, uh, ranch, uh, you know, I had to walk, like, the whole length. But along that road where, you, where I would walk, there would be, like, uh, houses on the, on the right side and the left side, where, which, were, which was where the workers would live at. And so... I remember, like, I would never go out at night because it was pretty creepy. Like, at nighttime, it was, like, really scary. And there was, in Mexico, down there, there was, like, very superstitious people. Everybody had ghost stories. Like, I remember staying up at night listening to my grandpa tell all the things that he used to see in that that Hacienda Place ranch. And, um, well, one afternoon, I decided I want to go visit my grandpa. He used to make, like, homemade slingshots from mesquite branches. He would make them like homemade and he would have them waiting for us when we'd get there. And so like, I decided I want to go. So I leave my house, which is on the, on the backside on the back end of the, of this ranch. And, um, I had to cut through a field and back then, like they used a lot of like wagons and stuff like with horses. So like, like there would always be like a patch of grass in the middle of the road and then like dirt on the sides, like kind of like tire tracks, I guess you could say. Cause, um, they used a big tractor, but I would have to go track through all that. And back then, my mom would let me go because it was pretty much safe. Nobody really, uh, there wasn't that much crime there. So I take off walking, and um, I remember, you know, it was like around 3 p.m., 4 p.m., you know, around there. And I remember, like, my dad always told me about all the crazy stuff that happened along all those little houses and stuff. You know, people died, and, you know... And so I'm walking through like this this uh, through this road, and 
I'm walking on the grass because the grass was all dry and I was just kind of like smashing like the grass down as I walked. But the crazy part was that like I was walking and I I I, I kept I kept hearing like I started to like hear like if someone was walking next to me. So I, like I would stop and then I would I would look back and like and, you know I wouldn't see nobody and I would walk I would keep walking. And then I would keep hearing like footsteps. So like, I decided to go in the middle part where it's all like, cause after like in the, in the beginning I got off to the dirt and to see if it would stop. And cause I thought it would just be me crushing grass and I was just hearing myself. And so when I went on the dirt, like I kept hearing a little bit. So I decided to like get back on the grass part. And I remember like, it's like the, the it's like, it's kind of like when you hear something and you're like, you're kind of in denial, like you're like, nah, I can't be that. It can't be that. And <laughs> I remember I started to kind of like trot a little bit, like not fully jogging, but just walking real fast. And I remember as soon as I heard, I distinctly heard like footsteps walking right behind me. I remember <laughs> just bolting as fast as I could down a ran, I think I ran the whole, uh, felt like I ran the whole quarter mile thing um and um man I just picked it to my grandpa's house and I got there and I was just like I never looked back I just took off and uh yeah that 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 ranch um it just has a bunch of ghost stories uh they tore it down since then and uh man I still have pictures and stuff of it and it's pretty freaky but that was that was one one thing that happened to me there that I, that always stood out in my mind because it was just crazy that I actually I was hearing the footsteps and that's probably the only time I ever uh, heard anything like that. So uh, love the show and uh, I'm a subscriber and I, I listen to it every time. I always look forward to it. All right, bye. Creepy footsteps. Yeah, that's just strange. I can't think if I've ever heard footsteps. No. That were unexplained. You? No, I can't think. I don't think I have. No. It's always questionable when you're out, like, in nature. Because, obviously, there's so many possibilities, especially, like, in high grass. Yeah, but the thing is, footsteps have a rhythm. And you know sure. when you hear it that it's it's not just, like, something falling or, you know. Well, sure, but, I mean, like, animals have a rhythm, too, when they walk, but... But you can usually tell the difference. I, I, I believe him, it, that it wasn't an animal. Sure. It is one of those things, though, where... I mean, I've had many occurrences where I've been out there, you know, walking around by myself or something in the woods or whatnot, and you start to hear, like, it sounds like something's by you, and then you kind of stop, and you're like, what the hell is that? Then all of a sudden, like, darts away. Oh, okay, it was an animal. Yeah. But this... His story sounds distinctly different than, yeah. than that. Uh, 855-853-4802, 855-853-4802 to share your real ghost story with us, or you can always write into us at realghoststoriesonline.com. That's the website where you can do all of that fun, nifty stuff. This letter is coming to us from Kristen. Kristen writes in, this is rather long, just to let you know, I swear everything is completely true and happened to me and my boyfriend from April of 2012 to September of 2012. I'm emailing you a picture of the bunkhouse. Okay, so she sent us a picture as well, and we'll take a look for that and uh, hopefully get that up on the website uh, 
as well with his story. Uh, it says, I've had paranormal experiences all my life off and on. One particular active time was when I lived with my boyfriend in an old bunkhouse. What's a bunkhouse? I think um, what comes to my mind is like when you go to a camp, like a summer camp, and there's like the little cabin type thing. Is it like a European hostel? I don't know. I think it depends on the the area. Okay. That might be what it is in okay. a different area. We had needed a new place to live. My coworker said she just needed someone to watch this place as it was empty and the kids were breaking in and vandalizing the house. Maybe it's like a cabin. Yeah, that's kind of okay. what I'm thinking. Okay. She was uh, the realtor and trying to sell it. The rent was uh, she was charging was very low. We would have our own place, no real close neighbors, and it was close to the road, but uh, forest surrounded it. A little background on the house. There are upwards of 40 small rooms. Oh, God. So this is like <laughs> that's, that's a little hotel. Big. Yeah. Okay. I don't remember the exact number as we weren't in the part of the bunkhouse that often. It was uh, built around 1910 for mill workers who worked across the street at the mill. Okay, I get it. So it's like, it was a, it was a housing complex built for employees. You know, uh, I get it. It's, it's kind of like a hotel, but not like big enough. It's little... It's, it's a unique type property, it's like but like 40 yeah. closets. That with, helps to explain it. Okay. Yeah. I should have just kept reading instead of asking. We moved on. We moved in on April 20th of 2012 and lived in the manager's apartment, which sat at the corner of the house and considered and consisted of a little kitchen area, a bathroom downstairs and upstairs, and a loft style was the main bedroom. I'll include an outside picture so you can see it. We basically spent all of our time upstairs. There was a door that opened to the rest of the bunkhouse upstairs in our room. The first night we moved in, we were getting ready for bed and everything was turned off except the fan. We both started hearing faint radio music. It would change to rock, to country, even pop-sounding music sometimes. It was always too low to hear the lyrics or any vocals, but the melody was consistent. We got out of bed and checked things. It could possibly be, but we could not find anything. There was no radio or music coming from outside, no radios in the house, and the computer was shut off. This happened quite frequently, always at night, and we both would comment if the other could hear it, and we could. One night we were both in our uh, on our computers upstairs playing games, and all of a sudden, a sound came from the stairs behind us that sounded like someone was booking up the stairs. It sounded like heavy feet running up and stopped when it reached the top. Although I had a feeling of fear, my mind instantly thought, it's the cats chasing each other, as if my mind was trying to rationalize it right away from anything scary or unexplainable. I turned around from my seat to look for the cats, and one was behind us in the bed, and the other was near the open walk-in closet, the other at the end of the room. I somehow convinced myself that it was just the cats. When I have thought about this months later and today, I know for sure it could not have been the cats. The sound was way too heavy and fast for them to make. One afternoon, we had come home from an outing. Everything seemed normal, and we went upstairs. About a half an hour later or so, my boyfriend went down into the kitchen. I heard him call for me to come down there. I went down into the kitchen. We were, uh, were what seemed like hundreds of flies were flying all over the kitchen by the door area. We both just kind of stood there looking at them, not knowing what to think, because when we came home just a little bit before, everything was normal. They all were little flies, but not little enough to be just born. 
and they were not fruit flies. I do remember having a window open, so logically, I guess, they could have flown in, but there were so many, it doesn't seem likely in that short amount of time it could have happened. I worked the 2-10 to 10 shift when I lived at the bunkhouse, and my boyfriend had a morning shift, so we would always be home alone at night while I was at work. He'd always be home alone at night while I was at work. I came home from work one night and found him sitting in the living room, staring at the crawl space door that was in the tiny living room before the bathroom. He had told me he was upstairs and heard noises coming from downstairs, so I went down to investigate. The sounds were so convincing that he had waited there and told whoever or whatever was in the crawl space that he was going to sit right there until they came out. My cats were sitting in the room with him, so it wasn't them. We eventually opened the crawl space and nothing was in there. Several other times while I was gone, he would comment he would hear noises that were not typical house settling at night noises. He would look at the cats for confirmation and he said they would always be looking in the same direction the noises came from. The scariest moment I had alone was one night again coming home from work. As I pulled up to park, I saw a figure standing in the upper left corner window, which would have been the corner of our bedroom. The blinds were closed and down, so it looked like a solid shadow facing out to the parking lot. I thought it was weird that my boyfriend would be doing that, but I kind of shrugged it off, thinking he was just playing a trick on me. I go in the house, walk upstairs to find him sitting on his computer on the opposite side of the bedroom with his headphones on, talking to his game mates right in the middle of conversation. I asked him about standing in the window. He said no. He was on his computer. Needless to say, I was freaked out. Another scary incident happened one night while we were lying in bed watching a movie. Three deliberate loud knocks came from down in the kitchen, and the light was off. It sounded like somebody was hitting the kitchen counter. I looked outside to see if anyone was there, and of course no one was outside, but the sound definitely rattled us enough. My boyfriend picked up a wooden pole, walked down the stairs, ready to defend us and the house. So I got my cell phone ready to call 911. I was that scared that someone was inside the house messing with us. My boyfriend proceeded down the stairs, swung once. Once he was at the bottom, it was dark and he couldn't see if anyone was there. A few seconds passed and it seemed to take forever and he turned the lights on. I did not want to go downstairs, so he told me after he came back up that when he got to the bottom of the steps and swung the bat, the trash kicked out of the bag that was sitting on the kitchen floor. We slept with the kitchen light on from that night on. It was my job to make sure the light was on at night, and there was a couple times I had forgot. Those nights, we would hear sounds coming from the kitchen, but nothing like the disturbing knocks we'd heard before. Once the light was turned on, all was quiet. Another time, my boyfriend was in the kitchen, and he saw what he thought was an angry face of an older man out of the corner of his eye above him while he was at the sink. He said it was see-through, and it only lasted for a second. He did not tell me for a little while after it happened because he thought it would scare me. Towards the end of our six-month stay there, we were starting to see lights coming from the forest. They looked like, look like several flashlights waving around, but some were flashing like a camera would. There were houses behind the forest hills, so we thought maybe kids were playing around. We never heard anything, though. And several times we went outside for a cigarette and watched the lights from our porch. They were close enough that if we, if it were people, we'd hear them stepping on leaves and small branches, fallen branches. I'm guessing the lights were about 60 feet from where we were on the porch. 
Another time, my boyfriend heard a woman's voice say, Alex, wake up. One time, or if he didn't get up, he would have been late for work. When we woke up, he asked me if I had said that, and I was asleep, and I had not. I don't know if anything bad had happened previously in this bunkhouse, but I do know we were both happy to get out of there when the time came. I was starting to have major feelings of constraint, depression, and my boyfriend had anger issues arise and intensify while we lived there. There were times where I even started throwing things, and I had never done that previously when I was upset. The energy was negative in that house for sure. We broke up the day before we were to move out. I stayed one final night there, but nothing out of the ordinary happened. Since then, we've gotten back together, and we are so much happier and better since then. I really do think that house or the entities that live there had an extreme negative impact on us. My boyfriend has even said that since then that he didn't really believe in ghosts, but after living in that house, he believes now. One final note, the first night I moved back in with my mother, I heard the radio sounds again. They only came that one night, and I have not heard them since. Thank you for listening to our story, Kristen and Alex. The three knocks concern me in the kitchen. Yeah, that's usually a sign of something demonic there, uh, when you have the three knocks going on, because it's that's essentially what is, if it's demonic, it's it's uh, mocking the, the Holy Trinity, that's what... The paranormal investigators uh, will will tell you about that. Or me, uh, the paranormal radio host. Um, so yeah, that is concerning. Um, what I'm thinking here, this was an old bunkhouse for, it was a logging company, it a, sounded a like? Mill, a mill? It didn't say what kind. Okay. Well, a bunkhouse for a mill. Um, and it's in the forest, so my mind automatically, I'm thinking, you know, Paul Bunyan. I'm thinking loggers, I'm thinking people out in the forest. Logging is one of the most dangerous industries even to this day. So if this is a closed down, you know, bunkhouse, it's really not used for it. It probably was quite some time ago. And I'm thinking, you know, even, you know, especially back then, uh, with even less technology, there's probably a lot more deaths. Mm-hmm. So I could see that being a very unpleasant place where a lot of the employees who were, you know, living in those bunks, uh, some days never came back to those bunks. See, I I got the vibe of a different kind of mill. I mean, anything that has to do with any kind of mill obviously has some kind of danger to it. I was thinking more of a paper mill. And the reason that I was thinking that is because of the forest, like you said, but then also... A logging, why they probably wouldn't have built a permanent structure to house people over an extended period of time. Yeah, you're probably right. So that's why I was thinking that. But um, no, I I agree with the negative energy there. I think you know there's so much with you know you go to work with these guys and then something happens to one of them or something like that. You just never know, and especially like in the 30s, there's just. I don't know. There's something about the 30s that, to me, just just has a creepy vibe. I think it's because there was so much unhappiness going on. Here's the picture of the bunkhouse, and we'll put this up on the website. It just kind of looks like an old, you know, I guess uh, it looks kind of like a, a cabin in the woods. And it, it, it's long. It's there's a lot of windows to it. What are you getting out of that? Yeah, I agree. It reminds me of, I don't, and this is pretty obscure. I'm sure a lot of people aren't going to say they've seen that, but there were some pictures of the initial um, hotels they built at 
uh, Yellowstone, and they looked like that. Yeah, or this also kind of reminds me of older wooden barracks. Yeah, yeah. Army barracks. That's really kind of what this looks like. It doesn't really, when I'm looking at this, I don't get an ominous feel out of it. It doesn't, like, have any sort of weird, gothic, archaic, you know, looking, you know. It's just, it's a wooden bunk building. Yeah, with some pine trees around. I mean, I look at it going, oh, that'd be kind of a fun cabin to stay in, you know. Write back and tell us what kind of mill it was, if you know. Yeah, that would be, uh, in fact, you know what? What type of mill <laughs> was it? There we go. I'm just I'm just going to send her an email right now. Uh, and I'll put this uh, this picture up online in this other letter where she sent the... Uh, the image so the top left window is where I saw the figure the door on the little porch is where you enter the house into the kitchen we would watch the lights from that porch one section we lived in included the four upper and lower windows starting from the left you can see the long house in the picture I went to take the picture for the story I left there as quick as I did uh, not feeling good about being there at all. So she actually went back out there to take the, um, the picture. So thank you so much for taking that trip out there to yeah, get that exactly. picture. I will get this picture posted on our website. Somebody mentioned that the other day on, uh, on YouTube or someplace, saying, you talk about putting pictures up on the website, and then you just put, put the audio and the story up. I'm sorry, I forget a lot of times, because we get this, the show done, and there's a lot that goes into once we are done recording the show. And honestly, sometimes I just forget to post the pictures that we talked about because it's already completely slipped my mind. But um, I just saved this picture down and we will get this picture up with this story uh, when we post it. I promise you that. In fact, uh, in fact, I'm going to make this picture the... Uh, I think we might use this as the... The, cover, the picture. cover picture on our YouTube for this uh, this episode. If you want to see the picture, we'll put it right there for you. Uh, 855-853-4802. 855-853-4802 with your real ghost stories. Let's go to another caller. Hi, you're on Real Ghost Stories Online. Hi, it's Mary from California again. I thought I'd share an interesting experience I had. Uh, the backstory on this one, my son-in-law was in Afghanistan and my daughter became ill and had two little children. So I drove from California up to Washington to help care for her uh, while he was doing his tour of duty over there. And she got well and so I began the drive back down to California late in the day and I hit Sutherland, Oregon, and there was a 24-hour coffee drive-through. I uh, don't know that I should name the name, but if you looked it up, it probably wouldn't be hard to find. Uh, and I thought I was just going to grab a coffee and just keep driving through because I really needed to get home. And yet there looked to be a nice hotel, one of the fairly well-known chains, I, I won't name the name, across the street from the 24-hour drive through coffee shop. And I looked it up on Yelp and TripAdvisor, and it had great reviews. And so I went ahead and went over there, and very well-run, um, just great clerk, very friendly checked me in room 222. I wanted that upstairs room. It was quiet. It was further back from the freeway, so you didn't hear the noise. 
the room was just beautiful. I, I was amazed at how nice it was, how comfortable it felt. Got everything settled. I was so exhausted and turned out the lights, was drifting off to sleep. And I heard a thump, like something fell on the floor. So I thought, oh, I must have left one of my bags on the edge of the counter and it fell down. So I got up and nothing had fallen on the floor. I thought, okay, you know, there's nobody above me, nobody in the room next to me, it's very quiet. I just thought, oh well, went back to sleep, you know, lay down, drifting off to sleep, and I heard another, even louder thump. I'm thinking, okay, what, what's going on here? I turned on the light, nothing had fallen on the floor, and you know, I thought it had a noise from outside. I checked out the, the blinds. There's nothing going on outside. I checked out the back bathroom window. Nothing. Utter quiet. So I laid back down. And that's when, for the first time in my life, I had heard of shadow people, but I've always been pretty skeptical. And I was seeing these shadowy forms floating through the room, not walking, more of a floating, not menacing, but there were two or three. And I thought, okay, maybe it's a play on lights from the freeway, but it was too far away. I looked out the window again. No, it's not a trickery of lights from the freeway window or the back bathroom window. I thought, well, maybe some noises from the refrigerator. I unplugged everything. I unplugged the, the clock light, the clock, radio clock, the microwave, the refrigerator, the television. I just plugged everything that could be possibly making noise. And yet, I could literally see these shadowy figures floating, and I got the impression they weren't menacing or it was more like they were um unsettled they they weren't happy with people i i was invading their space it felt like they they wanted resolution i don't know if that used to be their property years ago it was like they were reaching out for somebody to hear them and normally I can deal with that sort of thing, but I was exhausted. I'd been dealing with my sick daughter and a long drive. I still had to get back to California. And I literally, I said out loud, look, I've, I've just spent money on this hotel room. It's very comfortable. I like it here. I need my sleep. I really don't want to have to go down to my car and sleep in my car. And that settled things down a bit and I slept with the light on and had a good night's sleep. And then I got the heck out of the room the next morning and headed on my way. And I am, once I travel back up that way again, I will stop at the same exact hotel and I will request, request the same room uh, just to see if 
what I experienced the first time was legit, or maybe I was so exhausted I was imagining things, but uh, it was quite an experience. And uh, but just thought I'd share that. Don't know if anybody's experienced that sort of thing, but it it was right off of. Uh, the interstate there in Sutherland, so not many 24-hour coffee shops or uh, sort of chain hotels that are fairly nice, so I think people could probably figure out where I stayed and what coffee shop I'm talking about, but uh, yeah, that was definitely an interesting experience and uh, one for the books as far as our family's concerned. So, Thanks for listening, everybody, and thanks for your show, you guys. Bye. You're braver than I am to go back and want to want to stay in the same room, having had that experience. I don't know that it's the best of ideas to go back and and try and conjure this up again. I get the curiosity, right? Um. Although, I mean, the thing is with the shadow, I don't know. I can't say that all the shadow people stories that we get are always completely harmless. I'd say when they stay shadow people and their people are just seeing the shadow-like entities for that given period of time, they're usually fairly harmless. But there's been a lot of stories where it starts out where I was seeing shadow people and shortly thereafter, they're seeing, you know, full-blown apparitions around their house and they have hooves. Yeah. You know, and it's not anything that's all that welcoming. It's a gateway ghost. It, it is a gateway ghost. It leads to bad things. It really does. I mean, in most cases, I, I can't think of, of really any shadow people stories I've ever heard that have ever... They've either ended completely benign, where literally nothing happens, and it's a shadow and done, or uh, it ends in, yeah, got the apparition with hooves hanging out in your house. Mm-hmm. Um, and it almost makes me think that the shadow thing is, is almost kind of the, hey, uh, I know I'm making you curious about me. Uh, look at this. Look at that. And it, it does kind of fall into what we've talked about before, where the, the different stages of, of essentially demonic possession, where it, it goes through various uh, ways of, of getting your attention, making you curious about it. Um, and it just, I don't know. I, I think I'd be very leery on, on going back there again. If you go back, we'd love to hear what, uh, you know, what happens. <laughs> yeah. but we don't want you to, but if you do. But if you right, happen to do it. Don't do it. Don't do it. You don't want to take the chance of something attaching itself to you and following you home. That would be the worst case scenario. But if you happen to do it, take some pictures. No, and, don't encourage it. Uh, yeah, I don't know. She's going to make her own mind up. She will. But, she will. But I don't want us to encourage something that could be potentially harmful. If you do take some pictures, email them to me. <laughs> okay. I don't know. I, I don't think I would go back. No. That's that's just me, though. Uh, would you go back to a haunted hotel that you didn't have anything happen to you at? That, But you know it's it's haunted. Um, me personally, no, because if I know it's haunted, shit's going to happen to me. What about the hotel you want to stay at, though? The the Hotel Del Coronado? 
right? I like going there during the day and sitting on the beach. It's a beautiful view. It's a very neat experience. I don't know how comfortable I would be actually staying the night there. Really? To be quite honest, to share my... Yeah. No, I know I've thought about it and I've talked about it, but knowing that it's haunted, documented haunted, Mm -hmm. I don't know that that would be the best idea for me. One that uh, I really want to stay at, um, and I... Well, it was haunted in uh, somewhere in time, uh, uh, the Grand Hotel on on Mackinac Island in Traverse City. That's an awesome hotel. Now, is it actually haunted or is it just haunted for the movie? That's a good question. Um, I should know the answer to this, considering I lived up there and Mm -hmm. was obsessed with ghost stuff. (sighs) Part of me wants to say yes, but I I couldn't tell you what any of the ghost stories are. This is something I should just look up. Google. I will Google it. But that is a hotel... It is, if if you're not familiar with the Grand Hotel, it is this monstrosity of a hotel on Mackinac Island in Traverse City. And Mackinac Island is um, a big tourist destination. Uh, I should say Traverse City. It's it's far north of Traverse City. It's about an hour and a half north of Traverse City. Um, It's it's right between the two peninsulas of Michigan, Upper and Lower Michigan. and, and you get out to the island, there's no cars allowed on it. The only cars that are there are, are police and fire, I believe. I believe it's only fire that there's, and, and they, there's like five of them. Um, so it is, it's like going back in time. You can ride bikes around, um, and it's horses and horse-drawn carriages. It really is a neat experience. I happened to be there one night and did a, a dinner uh, at the Grand Hotel, or went to a dinner at the Grand Hotel, and... Completely by chance, it was the somewhere in time uh, weekend. It was like Trekkies, but these were people who were enthusiasts for the movie Somewhere in Time, the one that starred Jane Seymour and uh, Superman, um, Christopher, Christopher Reeves. Reeves. And it was kind of cool. I got to just totally by chance, you know, meet some of the people that had been in the movie. The old man who was the old man in Seinfeld was there, and I got to talk to him for a little while. Um, but the people who were totally into Somewhere in Time also dressed in period costume from Somewhere in Time. And the inside of this hotel is reminiscent of the Titanic. So I went for dinner, and they happened to be having their gala dinner for the Somewhere in Time truckies, And it really felt bizarre. Because you're in this dining room that looks like it's on the Titanic. The menu is reminiscent of the Titanic. Uh, the waiters are all dressed in attire uh, of the period, and then all the diners around us were dressed in the period of somewhere in time, which is 1920s-ish or 19-teens-ish. <laughs> and we're the only ones wearing modern clothes. It was creepy as hell. But I don't know if there's any ghosts in the hotel. One, one would venture to say yes. What did you find out over there? It's all kinds of haunted. Okay. It is. It really is. Um, I, you know, when you Google, you can find little snippets mm-hmm. of things all at once. And I'm seeing where they're talking about the whole island is essentially an Indian burial ground. Um, they're also saying things like that the Grand Hotel was built upon the first military post cemetery. Really? Yeah, and I haven't really researched this more than the five minutes since you've been talking, yeah. but... I think this is, could be a topic for an entire show. We should look at getting a uh, 
an expert on that to talk about it. And you know what? They do all these tours at that hotel. I can bet you that there is someone that gives a ghost tour of the Grand Hotel. Huffington Post listed as one of the top 10 hotels of hauntings. Awesome. So there you go. I used to sneak into that hotel. So when we go there, where are we going to stay? We Grand stay Hotel. There. Nope. Nope. Oh, nope. come on. Well, there's another great one that's at the other side of the island. But um, Grand Hotel is an awesome. Probably everything on that island is haunted, exactly. honestly. Exactly. If the whole thing's an Indian burial ground. And again, I don't know that that's true. That's just what I've read in the you know few minutes yeah. that I've been looking. It's an... I've never... I've always wanted to stay there. Honestly, though, it's... You're thinking Grand Hotel. You get into the rooms, and honestly, it's kind of... <laughs> it feels like you're staying in your grandmother's guest bedroom. Because I've seen them. It's it's linens, you know, with all sorts of uh, floral patterns, shades that have floral patterns, carpet that probably should have been updated a long time ago. It doesn't exactly have the luxurious feel to it that you would think of with the Grand Hotel. Are you looking at okay. a room? Oh, no, I got to tell you this part. And I'm reading this, and this is um, very interesting. That this this article I'm reading says the land for the hotel was bought in 1886. During the time, uh, the popularity of the island for summer getaway was exploding. Uh, a little bit further on, it says the Grand Hotel was built to cater the wealthier tourists that came from afar to relax in peace. It was during the construction of the hotel that an untold number of bones were unearthed. <laughs> Or unearthed, I'm sorry, I said that wrong. Mm -hmm. um, most of the bones were relocated, but it is said that some of these old skeletons still remain beneath the foundation. There you go. So there you go. There's two separate articles that are saying that it's built on top of... A burial ground. A burial ground. Well, what could possibly go wrong? It's been there for a long time. It hasn't burned down yet. No. Anyhow, there you go. So yes, it's a very haunted place, I guess. We should go check it out. 855-853-4802. 855-853-4802 is the phone number to call. And if you have a real ghost story, or you can write into us on our website at realghoststoriesonline.com. Uh, this letter comes into us from B. B writes in, my parents' house is located in Riverview, Florida. The uh, Al Alfea River runs behind it. A beautiful property. About three acres that my father bought back in the 70s and started building on it in the early 80s. This was before EPA's prohibition to build on marshland by filling them with sand and soil. The house is fairly big, but being built on a filled marsh, it is only one level and very spread out atop and on an artificial hill uh, for when the river floods. I have two stories I want to share at this time about this place. First story. I was about 14 years old as this story begins. We had been living in the house for about six months, and the surrounding land was bare. We hadn't even gotten around to planting sod or trees. The central area of the house was an open kitchen that above the sink had a small French window that connected to the wet bar on the other side. In the family room, indoor porch... This room had no exterior walls. It was just glass. I guess to enjoy the view of the river and the landscaping and pool that was to come in the next couple of years. But in that time, it was just dark, barren dirt all the way down to the river's edge. I was home alone one night. My father was still at work. My stepmother and younger brother were at his football practice, and my older brother was out with his buddies. 
I was feeling sad. I didn't get along with my stepmother and was contemplating my parents' divorce and such. I remember sitting on top the kitchen bar. My stepmother insisted on an L-shaped bar instead of a table. About 10 feet from the kitchen sink, looking out through the French windows, straight at the windows that were the exterior wall of the family room to the darkness outside. It was quite a nostalgic view of the darkness and desolation of the property, the river flowing in the moonlight, and on the other side of the river, about a quarter of a mile, a fishing camp with a lonely lamppost shining dimly on their dock. My cat was sleeping inside on the back of the sofa, next to the family room window through which I was looking out of from my position in the kitchen. All of a sudden, outside, about ten feet from the windows, where the pool is now, I saw a black rubber-looking ball, baseball size, shoot up from the ground, straight up, and just float there for a couple of seconds. Then it started spinning in midair. I was just sitting there, mesmerized by what I was seeing. I remember thinking, if this ball is getting momentum, then it, if it shoots towards the window, it will probably have enough force to break through the window, fly into the kitchen by way of the open French door windows, in front of which I'm sitting. It will hit me smack in the forehead, and I'll die. Sure enough, it shot at me. It hit the window with a loud smack, and it fell to the ground. So much for my physics, huh? I did not imagine it. My cat jumped up in the air upon impact and stared, uh, stared downwards through the window outside. I, of course, had to go outside to investigate the ball. Like I said before, there was nothing outside. No brushes, no gardens, nothing. And yet, no matter how long I looked, I never found anything to what I had seen that night. I even searched the next day and never found anything. My second story, these events happened within the year apart from each other. I was living away from the home and would come back to visit during the summer and the holidays. This was the summer of 1991. I was visiting home and only my stepmother and father were living there. By that time, both my brothers were either at college or starting out their lives. They would also visit, but mostly for the holidays. My bedroom had a quirk ever since it was built. The AC vent was right next to the door, and the door, no matter how many times the house had been remodeled, redecorated, rebuilt, never completely fit into the frame. It would never close properly unless it was locked. Across the room, in front of the door, was a wide window looking out to the river. I would sleep facing the window usually, and had become accustomed to hearing the click of the central AC turning on in a plick-plick sound of my door swaying in the frame from the gust of the AC. Except this night, when I was asleep and heard the door do its usual sound back into the frame, but just inward, it didn't seem to settle back. I was alert. I felt something walk through the door, stop at the foot of my bed for a bit, and then walk up the side of my bed to where I was facing. It stopped in front of me, and even though I had my eyes closed, I did feel a change of light from something blocking the window. I slept facing. I was scared. I knew it wasn't my father or his wife. And then I felt the air change and realized that whatever it was was now bent over with its face in front of mine. I wouldn't go as far as to say I felt its breath because I didn't. It was just a change of density that I felt. Like I said, I was very afraid and could only think of not opening my eyes. I started breathing deeply, trying to make myself sleep, and finally the density changed and I heard it walk away down the side of my bed, at the foot of my bed, and the soft plick of my door finally closing. 
A year later, I had just finished finals in school and invited my study partner to fly down to Florida with me and enjoy a couple weeks of shopping and fun in the sun before the summer was over. It was late July, early August, and we were having a blast, sleeping in late, shopping the rest of the day, and hitting the pool in the evening. One night, as we are in the pool for some reason, I decided that I should tell my friends about what had happened the year before. So I basically told her the same story, and she looked at me with wide eyes and said that she was happy I had told her. She was sleeping with my younger brother's room, which is down the corridor from mine, and she said that the night before she was asleep and heard the door to her room open. She was quite pleased with herself, thinking I was trying to play a prank on her because the prank would have been on me. She had left all her shopping bags at the floor and the foot of the bed. Remember those awful, crinkly plastic bags that were supposed to melt in the sun back in the 1990s? Thinking I would scare myself when I stepped on the noisy plastic, I was surprised instead when nothing happened, but she felt the presence come up the side of her bed. She said she felt the exact same thing I described, and then it left the same way it had come in. I never did find out what it could have been. I know that neither of my brothers ever mentioned anything creepy happening to them in this house, either. I know, fairly, uh... It's an interesting story, because it's a new house. They're the only residents of it. They filled in a swamp to build it. Do you think maybe during the construction something got stirred up, maybe? There's something in the swamp. Mm-hmm. Is there a lot of dumping of bodies in swamps? There could be, I guess. I don't know. That's that's interesting. Or, you know, there's... I don't know. Because the first thing you go to is thinking, of, well, what's the history of the property? And Not a whole lot. Yeah. It almost makes you wonder more so if it's something that's attached itself that it had to do with an individual in the house or if it had to do with an object that may be in the house you know the family or it sounds like although some of this happened shortly thereafter um they just gone through a divorce so there's some you know a little bit of unrest going on that's kind of what i was thinking i was thinking you know when he said he was sitting there contemplating his parents mm-hmm. divorce that that was you know probably not a happy time so yeah. you know if you're feeling kind of down you might be able to experience more of these things yeah 855-853-4802 if you have a real ghost story 855-853-4802 Charlie writes in since I was about 7 or 8 years old I was all, I always believed that there were paranormal occurrences happening all around us and that some people were more in tune with connecting with those who had passed on I'd always thought that it would be cool to see a ghost and have my very own Casper it wasn't until I was about 14 years old when I started having occurrences in my home I would always see shadow figures moving about in my per- per- peripheral peripheral vision. There we go. If I can say it out loud. Peripheral vision. I can say a word. At first, I would shrug it off as just my imagination or my mind playing tricks on me. That was until it was occurring more and more frequently. I even had a couple occurrences with a figure known as the Hat Man in my upstairs bedroom. I believe that I have an evil entity residing in my closet that is trying to basically scare me for kicks. On occasion, whatever it is would make itself known other than just showing itself in my peripheral vision. It had plucked a string on my guitar, and rarely did it ever move one of my belongings. Apparently, that wasn't enough. It started getting a little bit more physical than that by touching me in some form, and I remember lying in bed on a couple different occasions, and it either pressed down on the mattress behind my shoulder or it would sit at the end of my bed right next to my feet and then get up. 
I know I wasn't asleep or hallucinating when those occurrences happened. The scariest thing that had happened regarding this particular entity is that it tried possessing my body. And I'm completely happy that this entity did not succeed in taking over my body. I believe I have a spirit guide watching over me that prevented it from taking hold. For a good three weeks after that, I would see my spirit guide more and more often as it was keeping this evil entity away from me and keeping it from attempting to take over me again. Luckily, it has not attempted this again. And finally, I believe that I have a a spirit of a child in my home. I feel as if they're around the age of 10 with long blonde hair and wearing a dress from the late 19th century or early 20th century. And I feel that her name is Lillian or Lily. I do realize that negative energy can portray something as sweet and innocent as a child, but not with Lil- not with Lillian. She has shown herself fully once before to me, and she had this white aura surrounding her. And I know that there is no way that she could be evil. On occasion, Lily would climb into bed with me late at night when I'm getting ready to go to bed and... She's tugged on the arm of one of my hoodies one night trying to get my attention. Just the other night, I heard a little child say, Mama? And there was no way for it to be a local child. I had both of my fans on full blast and both of my bedroom windows were shut. It was the 4th of July and people were still shooting fireworks at 11 o'clock at night. Only way I knew it wasn't a neighborhood child was the fact that a child would have had to be screaming in order for me to hear through the closed windows and blowing fans. Even if my fans were off and my windows were open, they would have had to have been saying it pretty loud in order for me to hear it clearly. This was too clear and not as if someone was shouting. I have one word. Annabelle? Yes, Annabelle. Um, You know, it'd be nice to believe that you have this benevolent little ghost of a child, but there's other things going on there. And... You know, I'd be willing to bet you stopped seeing the hat man about the time your little girl ghost showed up. Maybe he switched forms thinking, yeah, I'll have more luck if I act all sweet and innocent. Yeah, that's what it sounds like, especially if you if you do feel you have an evil entity in the house and suddenly you have a pleasant little girl. Uh, or even if they did overlap a bit. Uh, I don't know. I don't think that that... Li- that little girl is a, a pleasant little girl. I don't have a good feeling about it. No. It, and we've had stories of little children ghosts that yeah. I haven't had a bad feeling about, but I don't have a good feeling about that one. Yeah, I think uh, you probably shouldn't be messing with, with this spirit because it's, I don't, don't ask it to do anything. Don't ask it to stay. Don't tell it it's welcome. Although you may have already invited it in, so... Seek help. <laughs> if it gets worse, yes. Yeah. 855-853-4802. 855-853-4802. One more quick story here. This comes to us from Tiffany. A few years ago, I was spending a night at my boyfriend's house. At the time, it was only him, his mother, his younger brother, and two younger sisters living there. The house only had three bedrooms, so they had to move his mom and brothers downstairs when the older of the two girls wanted her own room. On this night, my boyfriend had the master bedroom, which was over the kitchen, since it had to be moved to make room for everyone as well. The front door was in the kitchen, and if you listened real hard in his room, you could hear people come and go along with who it is. So I was lying on his bed watching TV for him to come home from a friend's house. I wasn't surprised to hear his mother's voice telling him that I was there along with his saying that he figured I was asleep, so he wasn't going to wake me up and he'd see me tomorrow morning. I got up off his bed, went downstairs, and I couldn't believe what I saw. Or better yet, what I didn't. 
The light was off, my boyfriend was nowhere to be found, and his mother was snoring away in her room. It's about the time that it hit me. I had never heard the door open or close, and there's no way to quietly shut it. I suddenly had the urge to run back upstairs, which I did, flinging myself onto his bed, trying to make myself as small as possible, never leaving his room for the rest of the night. There have been other things that happened in that house to me and other family members, but those would be different stories all on their own. And we'd love to hear them, so please write in. Yeah. Thoughts? No, I I don't really know on that one. Here's my thoughts. And this is kind of what we talked about, I think, on, on the show the other day. I've had times where I've been lying in bed, and I will audibly hear things that I know are not there. And it's not a paranormal thing. Okay. It's just simply me being somewhat asleep, thinking I'm just resting. And it usually happens, like I said, when I'm listening to a TV show, TV show sleep timer turns off, I still think I'm hearing the show in my head until I realize that the episode is something completely different. And the reason I think a lot of that happens is because it's repetitive things that I'm hearing. The shows I'm watching when we're going to bed, I've seen 10,000 times, so I know how these things go. So the episode does carry on a little bit in my head, even when it's off, and then my mind kind of takes it, and I think I'm still hearing it. This is a repetitive thing. She's hearing this day in and day out of the family doing this routine of people coming in and out of the house. And if you're laying there thinking you're maybe asleep or maybe not asleep, it's around that time I could see myself doing this. Mm -hmm. I could see myself thinking I'm hearing these regular things. For the longest time, I could hear my dad driving away in the morning. I could hear the door shutting downstairs and I could hear the sound of his truck starting up and the sound of the gravel coming uh, out from underneath the truck and him driving up the driveway. This was a childhood sound I heard every day of my life growing up at my parents' house. Okay? I heard this sound from about 18 to 25. Mm -hmm. Every morning. I was not living in this house after the age of 18. Okay. So I'm hearing this in the various apartments I'm in. I'm hearing it all over the place. Every morning as I'm waking up, I'm thinking I'm hearing this sound. And I'm thinking I'm awake, too. And then I'd have to go through my mind going, wait a second. I'm, I'm not uh, in high school anymore and living in my parents' house. I'm hundreds of miles away. But the sound was repeating itself because it had been such a repetitive thing in my mind. And it was audible, clear as day to me. Sure. Um, I think it could be that. You think so? It could be. I want to know what the other things are that she said other family members have had things happen. And then we can better decide. Before I make that, I mean, it could be that. I'm not saying it is that, but it could be that. But yeah, I'd love to hear more of that story. 855-853-4802 if you have a real ghost story to share with us. 855-853-4802. Or you can always write into us on our website at realghoststoriesonline.com. That does it for another episode of Real Ghost Stories Online. Until next time, for Jenny Bruski, I'm Tony Bruski. Thanks for listening to Real Ghost Stories Online.